Hello, welcome to MA Fight Club. I'm your host, Manny G. Today we're talking about PFL Challenger Series week number five. Delays edition here, all gonna be flyweights. 125 pounders looking to win a contract. So eight total fighters, four total bouts, only one contract. A few fighters we think have a better chance than others. We'll go over each fight with you one fight at a time, talk about the ways we think the fight's gonna go out, or who's gonna win the fight, some prop bets, some background on each of the fighters, and so on and so on. Before we jump into that, please do me a favor like and subscribe to this channel if you like these videos also go down below here in our video description and subscribe to our newsletter that's very important our newsletter gives you a treasure trove of information every single week totally free goes right to your inbox you get a full card breakdown for every single breakdown we do here on youtube you also get a link to these youtube breakdown videos a reminder to check us out in our audio podcast as well and so all that information is available through our Substack newsletter again that comes out once twice a week you get an email right to you free totally free there's no paywalls no patrons none of that business subscribe to our newsletter get those write-ups get the details get also a tip sheet sent to you with all the bets that we're placing for each card that's for all ufc events almost all bellator events most pfl events and most invicta events anyway with all that said guys we're gonna go over each fight with you guys one fight at a time there's only four fights in the card so it's not gonna be that much of a deep dive we'll do the best we can to give you our leans on the fights that we like in this card with that said guys enough talking let's jump into it here we go All right, the card opens up with a bout between Helen Peralta and Lisa Malden. Both American fighters, Peralta's from the Midwest, from Iowa specifically, and Malden is from California. Before we get to the whole detailed breakdown here, we'll give you our pick. We like Helen Peralta to win the fight by TKO in round number two. If not two, then maybe into round three. That's our prediction. We like Helen here. A finish might be critical for her to get a contract, as it is with all the fighters. In her case, I feel like because she's fighting, I believe, the weakest competition of all the fighters on this card, that I think that if she doesn't get a finish, she will not be considered. And if she doesn't get a finish, maybe even early, that she will not be considered for a contract. So just kind of putting that out there. Okay, back to the details in these two fighters. Peralta, who goes by Lanza, is 6-3 and three overall, 3-2 in her last five fights. You might remember her from the Ultimate Fighter last season. She was on the show. We'll talk about that. She's 34 years old. Five foot one in height with a sixty-five inch reach. As for Lisa Malden, four and three overall, three and two. I'm sorry, two and three in her last five fights. Based out of Irving, California, thirty-two years old in ten months, so about to be thirty-three, roughly the same age as Peralta. Six inches in height for Malden over Peralta. Number one, I don't believe it because <laughs> having seen both fighters fight, I, I don't believe Lisa Malden is that tall. Uh, she may have some height over Helen, but not six inches. Secondly, it's not going to matter. <laughs> uh, look at the reach. One and a half inch reach advantage for Lisa Malden, which that's more the stat that matters more. So when it comes to the height, um, it might distract some people, not going to distract us. It's not going to be much of a factor, and we contend it's not accurate. As for Lisa Malden, uh, trains out of Team Oyama, which is a very good gym. Helen Peralta, I forgot where she trains out of on the Ultimate Fighter. She may have talked about it. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure. There's nothing listed here on Tapology. Okay, let's get into our write-up here. So, Helen... For her, at her age, 34, turning 35 at some point this year, it is clearly now or never. Uh, she needs to, like, there's a, there's a phrase I've heard before. It's been a while. Um, shit or get off the pot, right? If you haven't heard that phrase, uh, that's a phrase. Maybe it's a little old school. But more or less, for her, she needs some wins, and she needs them now. Consider the circumstances. This is for a contract. And then from there, getting into the PFL regular season, getting some wins, making a run at the uh, million-dollar title, right? So, you know, for her, 
big opportunity, but a few more losses or a few more things don't go her way, and we may be seeing the last few fights of Helen Peralta. So, yeah, she has some pressure on her. Um, she talked about that in The Ultimate Fighter. And she was a contestant last year on the show. You got a chance to see more about her. She had a moment where she did some drinking on the show. More like depressive drinking because she had lost her fight. It was kind of like, oh, you know, what am I just doing here hanging out with these people? And she lost her first fight in the show. It was by split decision to Caitlin Neal, who was actually fighting on this card as well. So, uh, yeah, it had the split decision loss. And it was tough. It, it was the right call, I guess. I can't remember the fight in detail if I agree with the call or not. But what I can remember is she shouldn't have been in a close fight with Caitlin Neal. She was the fighter with more experience in terms of, I should know, she was the fighter with more momentum coming in, hitting harder, and she went in there, I think, underestimated Caitlin Neal, and Neal did just enough. And so, yeah, she got out of, out of the running of the show right away. That was her contestant series experience uh, just last year. What I do like is you got to know a little bit more about her. She seems to be a team player, doesn't seem to be a, you know, a, a, a team breaker or someone trying to create trouble. Uh, seems pretty, you know, committed to her craft, has had some bumps in the road, but from all intents and purposes, has her head screwed on tight and is committed to doing the best she can in the octagon. No, like, big distractions, no, like, domestic violence issues, you know, nothing like that. She seems to have herself in a good place. She likes to walk down her opponents. She has a heavy-footed style, kind of like, you know, uh, Davidson Figueredo, that heavy-footed style, walk you down, don't move too much, hit you like a, you know, ton of bricks, and it's very intimidating for most fighters. I think it's going to be pretty intimidating for Lisa Malden, too. Um, so she'll also talk a little smack in there. Like, you know, she'll make some gestures. She enjoys fighting. Uh, she's got a chip on her shoulder. And when she's confident, she's got a lot going on. She'll walk you down. And she'll look to corner you and put your back up against the fence and beat the hell out of you. you know? Surprisingly enough, as hard as I believe that she does punch based upon watching her on film, she only has one TKO in her resume. Numbers don't, you know, transfer over. So I think that's a part of her resume that needs improvement. And based upon the way she fights, you would think she would get more knockouts. I think she gets one here, though. One area she needs to improve on is her volume. Gets kind of caught up staring and looking for the perfect punch. Low volume equals, you know, low scorecards and so on and so on. If the fight goes to decision, that tends to hurt her. She needs to pick up the volume a little bit, not look for the perfect punch, just let her hands go. And lastly, she has a limited kicking attack, or limited everything. She doesn't do much of anything, just stand in box with you. So if she's forced to grapple, mm, not so good. If she's in a kicking battle, again, not her game plan. It's just more punching, and that's a limited part of her game. Unfortunately, that's also created where she's at now in her career, where she had a few nice wins early on, You know, was doing good in Invicta, had a loss against Kay Hansen, former UFC wrestler, uh, fighter in Invicta, and that was her only defeat in Invicta. That was by decision. Um... But again, just not completely well-rounded. That's a part of her game that needs improvement if she wants to make a real run, even in the PFL. Right Now, as for Lisa Malden, she's the only fighter on this card without Bellator or UFC experience. So if you go over every single fighter in the card, all eight of them, at some point they were on Ultimate, Ultimate Fighter, uh, Dana White Contender Series, or in a Bellator match, Lisa Malden is the odd woman out. And I believe she's the one with the least likely opportunity to actually win a contract. The biggest win of her career was a split decision win over Caitlin Neal. That's and Caitlin Neal, also on this card, her name keeps coming back up, right? That was 2019. So they both fought Caitlin Neal. She had a split decision win over her, whereas Peralta had a split decision loss against her. She has faced, she has a decision loss to Sam Hughes as well. That's Lisa Malden. That was back in, what promotion was that? That might have been an Invicta. Yeah, I'm not sure where it was, but the point is Sam Hughes, who's now currently in the UFC, she lost to her. 
At the very least, she has faced decent competition. Caitlin Neal, Sam Hughes, fighters like that. She's not been very active the last few years. She's fought one fight since 2020. So that's one fight in about three years. And she lost that fight by decision to a four and five fighter named Whitney Piles. I went back and watched the fight. You watch that fight and you look at this Lisa Malden right now. That fight was just last year, about a year ago, March last year. You just, there's no way you feel like you can win this fight. Um, that's how bad it was. <laughs> now, nothing against Whitney Piles, Files or Piles, excuse me. She is four and five for a reason. She looked okay that night, but again, Lisa looked awful that night. Lisa is significantly outmatched in this, in this fight almost every which way, shape, or form, even in the wrestling standpoint, because she does a little bit of wrestling, but it's a little bit of wrestling, and it's not very good. Technically, it's got some holes in it. Lisa's only chance to win this fight is to execute a heavy wrestling game plan, bring down Peralta, slow her down, frustrate her, hope the judges give her the, the points in the scorecards for holding Peralta down, because when she has Peralta down, I don't believe she's going to do much with it. It's going to just be huggy-holdy. I could even see the referee coming over and standing them up. So her only shot, in our opinion, is to get the fight to the ground, hold her, and hope the you know, judges see it as, as valuable fighting. Lisa doesn't have the speed, the technique, or the power to stand with Peralta on the feet. If she tries to stand with Peralta, that's where the TKO happens. If Peralta could defend takedowns and force the fight to just be at, at enough range, Peralta again could win by TKO. If Peralta cannot defend takedowns, let the fight be too close, that's where her opportunity slips away. And don't get me wrong, Peralta has come up short before. She did it on The Ultimate Fighter. She's done it in prior fights. She's come up short in situations where she was the favorite and where she should have won. Um, in some ways, you know, history has a way of repeating itself. But with that said, she should know that going in here. And Malden being not very active, you know, it should play out her way. Now consider this. If good old Whitney Piles, <laughs> four or five Whitney Piles, can leave Malden battered and bruised like she had Malden bleeding she had Malden's hair all in a frenzy imagine what Peralta can do to her you know so I think that's a situation where again MMA math but seems likely here that Malden's going to get shredded up by Peralta and even though Peralta only got one TKO you know finish I think she gets her second one here Peralta more than likely needs a finish to get a shot at the contract that's another factor and why because they're giving her the lamb of all the fighters in this card they're giving Peralta the weakest one and don't put it past Ray Sefo to say that. Like, literally say it at the end of the night if it's like Peralta standing there and like Shani Young or Caitlin Neal, right? Imagine the scenario. So you got Shani Young, Caitlin Neal, one of those two have a decision win. <laughs> and they're being in the final now being compared to Peralta. And Peralta has like a late KO third round over our girl here, Lisa Malden. I can hear Ray Sefo saying... Yeah, it's a tough one because, you know, you've got Peralta with the finish. And, you know, a young had a really amazing fight against a really tough opponent. You know, but ultimately, we feel like, you know, with Shinny Young, she fought a better fighter. And, you know, Peralta, it was a finish, but it took her a while. And so we just feel like Shinny Young's going to be able to, you know, be better in this division to compete. So we're going to give the contract to Shinny Young and leave you like, uh-huh, what? Dana does this. Dana will do it on Contender Series. Well, he'll say, he'll say after the fights are over, like, well, this guy was a really big favorite. According to Vegas, he was minus 500. Well, because of that, you know, he should have finished the fight in 10 seconds. It took him a minute and a half to finish the fight. And because of that, too long. Cannot sign him. And fighters are like, huh? <laughs> a finish is a finish. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just putting it out there. Peralta needs to run through her ass and get a nice, exciting finish. Otherwise, I think it's she's being set up here in an unfair spot. Weak opponent gets the win, yeah, but if it's not exciting, 
No bueno. No contract. All right, so the betting spots for this fight we like. Peralta on the money line. Peralta into the distance. And the fight goes over a round and a half. We do believe Lisa Malden has enough in her to survive at least that round and a half. Though we see the fight not going the full distance. A few more just quick notes here for Helen Peralta. 31 years old. Kickboxer. Not kickboxer. Boxer. Orthodox stance. Right-handed. She's been invicta for the last few years. Striking power. Intimidating stance. Was on the Ultimate Fighter. Our concerns for her. Ultimate Fighter. She was there. Yeah. But she lost in her first bout. 34 years old. It's now or never. Her ground game is non-existent. And she's underperforming in the past. Asher Malden. 32 years old. One year older. Out of Team Oyama. Good gym. Also right-handed. Has a win over Kaylin Neal. Kaylin Neal beat Helen Peralta. If you're doing that kind of MMA math, you're like, Lisa could win the fight. <laughs> Malden lost to Sam Hughes. She's durable. Height and reach will be on her side, though I don't think it's going to be a factor. Wrestling ability is on the side of Lisa Malden. That's the one thing Lisa maybe can do a little bit better than Peralta. Maybe. Maybe. Our concerns for Lisa, inactivity, bad defeats, lack of head movement, and speed. That's your breakdown for Helen Peralta versus Lisa Malden. We're on Peralta to win the fight by TKO in round number two. Okay, next up, it's going to be Shayna Young versus Sandra Lovato. Two former UFC fighters, well, kind of in the case of Sandra. In the case of Shayna Young, she was fighting the UFC last year. Before we get all into the details, we'll give you our pick. Shenny Young by decision, that is our prediction. We'll say this, if she doesn't finish Sandra Lovato, her fate for getting a contract is going to be up in the air. She's in a good spot having the UFC experience. If she does get a finish, she'll be in the driver's seat to maybe get this contract. But uh, with a decision win, unfortunately, it'll be up to judges and you know fan vote and so on and so on. All right, some basic detail details in these fighters, excuse me. Eight and five for Shenny Young, two and three in her last five fights. From Las Vegas, 32 years old, five foot seven in height, so one inch in height over Sandra Lovato, and a 65 inch reach, which both fighters have the same reach. For Shinny Young, out of a very good gym, Syndicate MMA in Las Vegas. As for Sandra Lovato, who goes by the Peruvian Zombie, yes, she is from Peru, but she has, I believe, Canadian citizenship. She's based out of um, Lima, Peru, though, currently, so I'm not sure. She's a citizen from Canada, but born in Peru. I don't know. <laughs> five foot six in height for Sandra. And again, a 65-inch reach, 4-1 in her last five fights, 11-3 overall. And she fights out of Bushido Fight Team and Maximo's Combat Club. Okay, according to the votes on Tapology, wow, it's pretty close. Lovato's getting 58% of the votes and 42% coming in for Young. I'm not surprised that it's close, but a little surprised that Young is not getting more of the votes. We do like Shinny Young to win the fight. Uh, we don't have odds available just yet, but when they open, we look at her as being one of the... You know, bigger favorites in the card, I guess. Nice way to put it. Okay, so we like Shinny Young by decision. At first glance, I liked her a lot. I was like, oh, this is an easy fight for her. Lovato's okay, kind of long, thin, not very strong. After doing some more research, you know, Lovato's not as bad as I guess I had remembered. She does have a shot here. Uh, now, Young is trying to resurrect her career, no question. She was in the UFC the last few years. She went 1-3, lost to Eggers. Maverick and Macy Chasson, all reasonable fighters, but the one in three run just was just enough for the UFC to to let her go. And it could have been also the UFC just didn't want to pay her anything else, and they were thinking we can get some young prospects in here, 
let her go test the waters and go to the PFL. Because losing to those three fighters is not that bad. And she only got finished by one of them. The other two were by decision. Like, for example, she went to, Ma to decision loss last year to Miranda Maverick. Not so bad. You know, so common sense here would tell you that if she can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with someone like Miranda Maverick for three rounds, that she should be able to beat someone like Lovato. That's just my thinking. You know, maybe I'm, you know, uh, I guess uh, relying too much on MMA math, but it just seems to be obvious that if she can go three rounds with Miranda Maverick and survive the, you know, position mission attempts and be able to get off the ground a little bit and survive the wrestling, she should be able to beat Sandra Lovato. So I'm just putting that out there. Now, Young may not be in a situation where she can get a finish, and that becomes the second part of the problem. So even though she may get a win here, a little better striking, more experience, if she doesn't get a finish and doesn't get a contract, then this is almost all for naught. I mean, she went from being in the UFC, biggest promotion in the world, to now trying to fight her way into a B-list promotion. You know, how quickly do the does the fate change for some of these fighters? You know what I mean? She has some finishing ability, but for Lovato's never been finished before. So, and if you watch Lovato's fights, she'll slow down and she gets hit, but she's got that Peruvian slash Canadian toughness, you know? Young has five finishes in her eight career wins. So again, has finishing ability. Without a finish here, though, she's going to be up in the air and more or less putting her at least immediate career in the hands of the judges and the, the fan vote, right? As for the Peruvian-Canadian fighter, Lovato, she lost by decision on contender series against Karolina Wojcik last year. I remember this specifically because after the fight was over, Dana didn't give Karolina a contract. And I'm always a little bit squeamish about how he rationalizes not giving a contract to certain fighters who you know, win by decision, and then gives to other fighters. But uh, nonetheless, he didn't give it to Carolina, so she's still fighting Invicta and actually just came, came off a loss her last fight. That's probably her best opponent she's fought. And, you know, she held her own, lost by decision. It was a solid showing. At the very least, we could take from it that Lovato belongs in the area that she's at, on the cusp of the USV, of UFC. excuse me. Maybe not good enough to be in the UFC, but on the cusp of it, you know, fighting fighters that are on the edge, right? Now, she had a five-inch reach advantage in that fight against Wojcik. And I'm bringing it up because if anyone tells, tells you that she has a reach advantage in this matchup, or that she's got long range or whatever, or she's got good striking from the outside, that's not what you could see on film. And that's not what happened against Wojcik. Her reach did not play out as any type of form of an advantage. If anything, her long frame, she can be wrestled. And that becomes a disadvantage. Now, in this fight, neither fighter has a size advantage according to topology. In my brain, though, I feel like Shani Young is the stockier fighter and Lovato's the longer fighter in my head. But Tapology's telling me that they're the same size. We'll see what happens during the face-offs and whatever else. We assume Marlon's going to open up big-time favorite Young. That's what we assume. Now, according to Tapology, there's a public vote there, and they're on the side of Lovato. But we assume it's going to be like minus 300, minus 350, maybe minus 400 in that range. If Lovato is priced around plus 275 or better, like plus 285, plus 300, we're going to take a shot Lovato. We just have to do it just because of the fact it's a women's fight. Anything's possible. She's proven she belongs where she's at, on the cusp of the UFC. And I think for Shana Young, she's proven that she's just at that same level, kind of, right? By getting let go by the UFC, right? 
Lovato began her career with three straight submission wins. But then in her last 11 fights, she only has one finish by submission. Never had a TKO. So, again, striking, limited power, limited technique. She tends to slow down. As she fatigues, she becomes like molasses. There's hardly any movement. Um, so, yeah, low output. Can be very passive at times. And it's funny because she's from Peru. But when she becomes passive, I'm like, you know, is that the Canadian in her? You know, Canadian people are nice. And she's just being, you know, passive. Not passive-aggressive, just passive. So barring some kind of a mental lapse or an injury, we like Shinny Young here. We like her to roll to victory. Young is faster. She's stronger. Has better finishing ability. And has definitely fought the better competition. Now, those are our opinions. You know, we could debate some of those factors. But I, I believe, sincerely, what I just said. The only questions that remain here are, can she get a finish? And will she get a contract? We like Young to win the fight by decision, and have a good chance to win a contract. I think of all the fighters in this card, she might be the most viable because she had the most UFC experience, a win in the UFC. And with the PFL, they know what they're doing. They're, they're trying to, you know, sloppy seconds here. They know what they're doing. So she needs to finish, I think, to secure the contract, but even a decision win, she could still get it. The betting spots we like for this fight, we like the over two and a half rounds, young by decision, young into the distance, and Lovato by decision. If your books do not offer prop bets for this fight card, and they're not offering them on DraftKings, so I can tell you from personal you know, experience, I'm having a hard time finding prop bets available on the more popular domestic books. We would just go with then Young on the money line, money line as a parlay piece, and then putting a small hedge bet on Lovato on the money line. Those are the bets that we would be considering. Let me just take a glance at my last few notes here. For Young, kickboxing style, right-handed fighter, Positives, UFC, UFC experience, very durable. Young has only been finished once in her four UFC fights. You know, that was impressive. Good footwork. You don't think of her as being very athletic, but in my notes here, she has good footwork. Of course, competition. She's been fighting the better competition. And the PFL wants fighters like Shana Young. Let's just put this into the narrative, right? When when Ray Cepho walks into the octagon at the end of the fight and has to make a decision between Shana Young and someone else, and he gives the whole, like, it's a tough decision thing. I don't know what to do. He's going to go with her because she's got the UFC credentials. You know, so that does help her to some extent. Um, last week, it didn't matter, though. There was a fighter last week, the heavyweights, who had the UFC experience, and he won his fight, got a finish, and he didn't even make it to the last two fighters. So I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's not consistent. Uh, Shane Young also has good finishing ability. Again, five uh, finishes in her eight total wins. Our concerns for Shane Young on a rough stretch, one in three in her last four fights. UFC just let her go. Where's she at mentally? It's tough rebounding, you know, short period of time. Her grappling, uh, it depends on who she's fighting. Against Maverick, it was awful. <laughs> As for Lovato, 28, a little bit younger. Again, a right-handed fighter, so they're both right-handed. Lovato has pretty good submission skills. A few submission wins in her resume. Good competition, fought Karolina Wojcik. Contender series. She's durable. One of a kind. She's, uh, I think, the only Peruvian Canadian fighter that I know of out there in a major promotion. So she's got that going for her. Our concerns for her striking is raw. Let's put it that way. Defensive skills. She gets hit pretty easily. Keeps her head in the center line. Not much head movement. Slows down quite a bit. Her stand-up game is not good. If she gets taken down, she has a hard time getting up. And then speed and cardio. She slows down and her speed dwindles away. So by now, you could tell we're on Shinny Young to win the fight. Right? You, you could tell. We're on Shinny Young. <laughs> It depends on the lines as to what we're going to do. We're going to end up parlaying her probably no matter what. 
Now, let's say she opens around minus 150 to minus 175, Shinny Young. We're going to then bet her straight up to, you know, but she's up above minus 200, minus 250. What are we doing? Putting 250 bucks up to make 100 bucks on Shinny Young? I don't think we're going to get into that type of investment. Anyway, we like Shinny Young to win the fight and most likely by decision. That's your pick. Up next, we have Caitlin Neal versus Greet Eckhout. Eckhout is from Belgium, and Caitlin Neal is an American fighter for Miss Neal. She's 6-4 and four overall, and Greet is 6-4 and 1 overall. Before I get into the whole breakdown in particulars, I'll give you our pick right off the bat. We like Caitlin Neal to win the fight by decision. That is our prediction. Um, pretty confident with this prediction. We like Caitlin Neal in every aspect of how she can win the fight, but she doesn't have a lot of uh, finishing ability. It hasn't been part of her uh, staple in past fights and with Greet, she's lacking in some areas but she is pretty tough she's you know somewhat durable so we see the fight going the full distance and Caitlin Neal getting the win there in terms of contract can she get the contract from the PFL uh, you know, it's gonna be tough because if, if there's a lot of finishes on this card and then Caitlin Neal wins by decision it may not be enough for her to actually get herself a contract okay some basics on these two fighters Caitlin Neal is six and four overall four one of her last five fights um, and notable she started off like one and three or one and two, like kind of a rough start to her pro career. She was below 500, turned things around now, and it went on a nice hot streak. Now she's four and one in her last five fights. She's based out of Utah, 31 years old, five foot eight in height. We'll have a five inch height advantage here over Greet. And with a 68 inch reach, I'm not sure how much of a reach advantage she'll have. Having watched them both on film, Greet does have somewhat longer arms and with Caitlin she's just longer in general so I think Caitlin will still have a reach advantage but it won't be let's say five inches like the height is right and for Greet she trains out of Red Kings she's six four and one overall so just one more fight under her belt which is a draw she's three and two in her last five fights again hailing out of Belgium and she's five foot three Caitlin Neal goes by Katniss as in you know the movie uh that what was the name of that movie Oh my gosh, How, Hunger Games, right? <laughs> it's a cool name, Katniss. And then Greek goes by uh, Pineapple, but Painapple? Spelled Painapple, not Pineapple. Interesting. Anyway, looking at our write-up on these two fighters, we are going with Neil, but full disclosure, we are not super confident. It's a women's bout. They're all women's bouts on this card. Uh, there is some chance that Neil could do some things at times and get herself in trouble, maybe get taken down, have a hard time getting back up. With Greet, she is going to be look looking to grapple. Neil was in the Ultimate Fighter last season. As soon as I saw her name pop up in this card, I thought to myself, oh yeah, I recognize her from the Ultimate Fighter. That was season 30. And you got to know her a little bit on the season. She's a likable character. Uh, not, not hard to look at, so kind of easy on the eyes as well. Um, but all, all kidding aside, she comes off as a very wholesome, middle America, uh, sort of like a trustworthy personality. And uh, she shared some feelings on the show about, you know, family and things that, you know, matter to her. And put it this way, just someone easy to root for. If she were to do really well and get herself a finish, for example, I think the PFL would love to have her. On top of the fact that she did have some UFC experience, maybe not UFC fighting for the promotion, but being the ultimate fighter, uh, the PFL loves anything regarding that. Anything regarding the UFC, even if it's someone who didn't get in, contender series, whatever else, they're going to jump on it. Anyway, so on the contender series for Neil, she won her first fight by split decision over Helen Peralta, who's also fighting on this card. Looking back at that, you know, Helen Peralta, I kind of overrated her before. I, I thought she had more potential than what she's been able to do recently. <clears throat> 
excuse me, with Helen Peralta, that fight goes to split decision. She gets the win. Next fight, she fights Juliana Miller on the show, and Miller beats her by a Kimura submission in round two. And eventually, Miller goes on to win the entire thing. So it's not a terrible loss. Miller's now in the UFC. Um, but for Caitlin Neal, she kind of got a little fortunate in that first fight, gets to the second round, gets submitted. And that's sort of been the experience for her career. She's beaten some you know, fighters that are okay, but when she fights these better opponents, she comes up a little bit short. Now, Neal also has a decision loss to UFC's Tracy Cortez. They both fought each other back in the Invicta days. It's a quality loss, and of course, Tracy Cortez is in the UFC. But again, that's an example of her having an opportunity, right, against a UFC caliber fighter, not at the time, but future UFC caliber fighter, and she couldn't get the win. In this matchup, she'll have a few height, she'll have a few, I'm sorry, interest in height and reach over greet. At range, she should be able to pick her apart. Now, Neil's not an amazing striker. Matter of fact, if you go back and look at her film from when she first got started, like her amateur film, her striking was was just damn near terrible, <laughs> okay? Um, she's made big improvements there. Her hands are in better spots. Uh, she's more fluid. She used to just like kind of turn away, put her hands up to block. Now she's using better head movement. She's made gigantic improvements in her striking. Uh, but still, her striking is not a lot of power. Sometimes volume's not enough, and, and she can be hittable. And so, you know, it, it's still a, a work in progress, right? She's been on a bit of a hot streak recently. She's five in one of her last six fights. And prior to that streak, she was one in three to start her pro career. That's what I was talking about earlier. So she went from being one in three to then ripping off five wins in her last six fights. Nice streak. We said before, she's an attractive looking fighter. She's marketable, nice personality. Fans, you know, would like to root for her. If the PFL ended up adding her to the roster, she's someone that, uh, you know, maybe could sell some tickets. For her, this is a huge opportunity. She was on the Ultimate Fighter last year, which. The winner of that show gets like two I think two hundred fifty thousand dollars is the is the prize along with a contract. Uh, big opportunity, right? And so she had the opportunity, didn't get it, of course. Now she comes into this whatever challenger series thing. A contract means she's in the regular season. Okay, that's one thing, but it also means a chance to go ahead then and move on to the million dollar prize and the, you know the playoffs and and so on and so on. You get my drift. And so it's a huge opportunity for her. Um, if she doesn't win here and does get a contract, I mean, it's sort of like I think reflection time. Like, do I still want to hang around this sport? How much motivation does she have left? So big opportunity for her. A contract would mean a chance, like I said, regular season, who knows what happens, moving to the playoffs, so on and so on. Now, based on her resume, ultimate fighter, good looks, nice personality, if it's close between her and some other fighters in this card, it depends on what other fighter she's being compared to. But if it's close, I could see the PFL saying, "Listen, we want her. She's she's humble, she's cute. She, you know, she's got just enough skills to hang in there. Even if she loses later on, you know, it'll be someone good to have around and have in the roster." So a lot of positives there for Caitlin Neal when it comes to this format of voting and and seeing who the PFL would like to have. Now, as for Greet, the Belgium fighter, she comes into this fight off of a knockout win over a 3-7-1 fighter. At first, you're like, oh, knockout win. Yeah, that fighter is 3-7-1, so kind of put it in perspective. She does have finishes in four of her six career f wins. And you do like that high finish rate, especially for this weight class, female weight class, mind you. At the same time, the fighters that she's been fighting against, uh, yeah, they were, let's just say this, not the toughest caliber of opponents. <laughs> Safe to say that. She lacks quickness. 
and stands very flat-footed. Now, when I say flat-footed, it's a combination of things. If she's under attack, she kind of gets like stone feet, doesn't move very well. You're supposed to move out of the way, you know, spin out the way, whatever, use your footwork, get on your bicycle, whatever analogies you want to use. She kind of gets like deer in the headlights, stands fragile, has her hands up, trying to just whatever she can do, becomes very hittable, low volume. Could I see that happening at a few moments in this fight? Yeah, I, I could. Um, you know, so her stand-up defense, it's everything from her lack of footwork, moving out the way, fighter IQ, and ultimately what she ends up doing is just backing up. So if you pressure her, she won't move side to side, she'll just back up, and then she ends up fighting off of her back foot for most of the fight, and at times even having her shoulders in the fence. You know, for Caitlin Neal, she should have her spots to be able to pick and choose what she wants to do and be able to lead a dance. That's a big criticism we have of Greed, too. She lets her opponents lead the dance. And it's almost like she gets mesmerized with her opponent. Like, she's focused on them. Next thing you know, it's like, listen, they're, they're leading you. You need to shake it off. You know what I mean? Do your thing. Um, she comes to this fight off of a two-year layoff. That's Greet. That's always been a red, red flag. And she has a decision loss to Mandy Bohm. Now, say what you want about Mandy Bohm. She just had a win recently. So, hooray for Mandy Bohm. Uh, but we've all seen Mandy Boom, and we recognize that she's limited in her skill set, size, power, so on and so on. So when you see that Greed has a decision loss to Mandy Boom, on one side, you're like, well, Mandy Boom's in the UFC, and it was a decision loss. On the flip side, take a look at Mandy Boom, and you'll kind of have an idea of what we're talking about. <laughs> um, and so from that standpoint, yeah, she's um, got some red flags there, right? Flat-footed, not, not the most athletic. Tends to be very hittable. She does the thing where she throws a punch, and then when she sees the other punch coming, she just sort of turns and hopes it, hopes everything's going to work out. All right, let me summarize everything here. For the lack of activity, the long layoff for Greet, that's reason enough to fade her. Just right there. Lack of activity, long layoff. But on top of that, you pull up the film on her, and it's also very underwhelming. You're just left thinking, man, she's... She's barely at the caliber, I guess, to be in this position. And maybe the PFL just needed another body. Maybe the PFL wants to hook up Caitlin here with an easy opponent. I don't know, because every which way you look at it, Neil, who's not like a future, you know, challenger for the for the title in a big time promotion, not at least hasn't shown us that. But Neil's gonna be better than her almost everywhere. Neil should cruise here to victory. There shouldn't be I mean, maybe a takedown happens for a few moments where Greek gets a takedown. Maybe Neil gets off balance. That could happen. Maybe even Neil loses part of a round because of that. But otherwise, when it comes to more volume, that's on the side of Neil. Better striking, Neil. Cardio, Neil. Striking technique. Power-wise, neither one of them have any power. Striking power. But when it comes to everything else, I think Neil has the advantages. And in terms of activity... Neil, which was in the Contender Series, I'm sorry, Contender Series, Ultimate Fighter last year, has been very active the last two years. So when it comes to activity, Neil has been on the mat, putting a lot more work in the last two years than her opponent, Greet, who hasn't fought in about two years. It depends on the price tag. We might parlay Neil on the money line. Depends upon price. Like if she's in the minus 300 range, we're still we're still playing ball. If it gets to like minus 400 for some reason or any, anywhere above that, or below that, how you want to define it. We're, yeah, probably not going to want to get involved at that point. Uh, I'm hoping it opens in the minus 175 to minus like 200 range. That would be great 
because then we're going to parlay it and also probably get a piece of it straight up. But anything above minus 200, probably not going to play it straight up. Be looking just to parlay it. But Neil really should win this fight. Just comes down to does she get a contract? Also, one more prop the over one and a half. Again, their track record suggests probably an see decision. Greed has finishes, but low level opponents. And in the case of Neil, she has been finished before, but durable enough in this situation, she should be able to go full distance. So the over one and a half is another prop that we'll be keeping an eye on. That's your breakdown, guys. Again, we like Caitlin Neal to win the fight. In terms of a contract, if it, if it's like all decisions the entire card, they all get decisions, and she's one of the two finalists, I, I could see them taking her. But there is one more fight on the card that I think has slightly more credentials that may be the one that they're looking at. But uh, she wouldn't be a bad option. I, I like Caitlin Neal. Again, likable, easy to root for, so on and so on. Uh, Ultimate Fighter, alumni. You got it. You've heard the whole deal. Anyway, that's the breakdown, guys. Good luck with this fight if you're betting on it. And uh, we're rooting for Caitlin Neal. Let's see her win here. All right. According to my calculations, this should be the main event for week number five of the PFL Challenger Series. All women's card. Main event's going to feature Desiree Yanez, American fighter with a Spanish last name, probably from... Latin America somewhere, Mexico, up against Chelsea Hackett, who goes by the hammer, and Desiree goes by Dirty Des. Okay, now. This is a 125-pound bout. <laughs> Make myself laugh. I'm going to give you the pick right off the bat. We like Chelsea Hackett to win by decision. That is our prediction. Fast forwarding to the end of our breakdown here, I can tell you that I'm not very confident in that prediction. Uh, whatever analysis, analysis we did do here, which is not a lot. I mean, these bouts are lower-level fighters big layoff, so on and so on. It just left us feeling not very confident. Let's put it that way. The particulars in these two fighters, Chelsea Hackett, who goes by the hammer, is 3-1-1 one, one overall. Not a ton of experience. She was born in Australia. She's from Queensland, Australia. 23 years old. Very young. Yeah, we did note that. And, and a big layoff, too. So we'll talk about that as well. 5'4 in height. So is Giannis. So same height for both fighters. It looks like Hackett's going to have about a one and a half to two inch reach advantage with a 66 inch reach compared to 64 and a half for Giannis. And Chelsea Hackett's training at a potential unlimited mixed martial arts. As for Giannis, six and four overall, two and three in her last five fights, a bit of a rough streak out of Texas, 33 years old. So 10 years older, not that age is, is a, a big factor for her. Um, you know, she's approaching those, I guess, prime years and those prime years, right? Um, age is more of a factor, I think, for Chelsea because she is so young, right, and doesn't have much experience. Giannis is uh, five foot four, sixty-four and a half inch reach. We told you that before. She trains out of Blitz Sports Mixed Martial Arts, according to her Tapology profile. So, what do we got here? Looking at some pros and cons. What does Chelsea do well? Good lower leg kick, good volume. She fought on Dana White Contender Series. We'll talk about that fight in a second. Her con our concerns for her are things that she needs to improve. Her finishing ability. She has one finish in five pro fights, so you know, lacking lacking some power, lacking some mission skills. She is young. This is a light division, 125 pounders. Long layoff. She hasn't fought since 2020. You don't love that. It's been almost three years, and she was finished in that fight. Okay, So she hasn't won a fight in almost four years. Hasn't had her hand raised in a long time. As for Desiree, 32 years old, a little bit older. She's a grappler and a southpaw. She likes to work in top control. I mean, who doesn't? But she's very good in top control. She can be very heavy on top, doesn't let her opponent out. Lance, good elbows, can slice up her opponent with good elbows, actually. Her fight versus Martinez 
interesting fight. She had some good moments there. That's Melissa Martinez. That fight's available online. She had some really good moments in that fight. I, I, I saw her winning round two, of course. Um, round three, she slowed down. Gas tank became an issue. She got outgrappled, outstriked. She's not really a good striker anyway. That's not really where she butters her bread. She's more of a grappler, dirty boxing. Lean on you against the fence, scrape you down, make things ugly. That's where she does her best work. She's a grappler. Our concerns for her, she's a bit one-dimensional. If she's forced to fight at range, she's she's out there to get picked apart. I believe she's able to close distance. As long as her cardio is up to speed, she should be trying to close distance here and make things difficult for Hackett. Her striking ability is a liability, as we mentioned before. Slows down. Cardio is a bit of a question. And then winning. Uh, she has... Uh, only one she's won one fight one fight in four years so she's on a bit of a rough streak too only one win in the last four years i'm gonna read to you our write-up on this fight so chelsea hackett by decision is our prediction we'll start with desiree desiree Giannis first we like her aggressiveness and the whole bad girl attitude obviously she goes by dirty Des. she's all tattooed up when she's doing her best, she's dirty boxing, getting some you know cage control, getting people to the ground. If they get back up, she sticks to them. Elbows in the clinch, knees in the clinch. She works really well in that area. In particular, when she's on top, again, the elbows. I've seen her cut up her opponents with just nice, good elbows. She looked okay in round one of her fight against Melissa Martinez. That's a good fight to look back on. It's indicative of how her career is. Round one, okay, somewhat even. Round two, does a great job. She almost ends the fight in round number two. She has her opponent on the ground, just you know, ground and pound. And then <laughs> the fight takes a complete 180 turn. And into round three, she looks tired and she can't get the job done. And that's really a snapshot of her career. A lot of her losses were fights where she did good in one of the rounds, but couldn't put a full fight together. I can compare it to football or basketball when coaches will say, you know, we have to put together a complete game. You know, you win the first quarter or, or you win two of the first three quarters, but the last quarter maybe matters the most. And it's a close one. The last two minutes matter the most. So you have to put together a complete game. And in her situation, that seems to be a bit of the problem. Is that a maturity thing? I mean, she's in her early 30s. She's been around for a little bit, but ultimately it's, it's, it's common in most of her fights. You'll see she does well for one round or two and then wheels fall off okay um now notably with hackett hackett did get grounded and pounded in her last fight and that was a few years ago three years ago on contender series but that's how she lost her last fight that's what desiree does well desiree will get on top of you and ground you and pound you and squish you and mush you that's what she does okay as for chelsea hackett suffered a tough loss on contender series back in 2020 now, going back and watching that fight, I watched it and then also did some replays of a few moments in the fight. Her striking is pretty nice. I mean, fluid hands. She kicks in combination with her strikes with her hands. You know, she's got her, she's got her eyes up. She sees her target. She's not like ducking her head and doing some kind of, you know, lower level striking stuff. I mean, she's a good striker. Does she have power? You know, I think that's still to be determined. But the activities there, the volumes there, she looks good. And for much of the early part of that fight, Things were going well. <laughs> Who did she fight there? Because she fought a, a fighter who's currently in the UFC. It's not really doing well. And this loss is its not aging well for for Chelsea. Um, those who are listening right now are probably saying it to themselves. She fought, what's her name? She fought Victor, Victoria Leonardo. And Leonardo right now, who's currently in the UFC, because of that 2020 Dana White Contender Series win, 
Leonardo is 9-4 overall, and she's currently... Well, she just had a win. She had a win, I mean, over Mandy Bohm. That's good. But she's currently 1-2 and two in the UFC after getting this win over Chelsea Hackett. This fight's a tale of two fights. Round one, Chelsea's doing a good job. She's leading the dance, picking apart um, Leonardo. And I, th I think he even leaves Leonardo with a little bit of a bloody nose after round one. My memory is not serving me correct here, so I apologize if I'm a little off. But either late round one or early round two, then Chelsea rocks Leonardo, like catches her a little bit wobbly. Things are looking great for her. You know, just things are going well. And they get into like a stand-up grappling thing where you could see that Leonardo's trying to grab the hips of Chelsea. Just trying to, you know, let's, let's, let's get the little huggy, huggy thing going because I'm getting my ass picked apart in the feet. And Leonardo being smart, you know, she's like, let's get this into a grappling bout. That was it. it. It never got out of that situation. And it went from the cage to like to a knee to then to, to her back to then being flat on her back on the ground to never getting back up and then eventually just getting the little bit of ground and pound to more ground and pound. And next thing you know, she's getting TKO'd. It was not a bad call by the referee. She was not returning any fire. She could not get up. Her takedown defense, not good. Her stand-up defense, maybe worse. She's had three years off. What has she done with those three years? Okay, so, you know, this is a question I have. I don't have an answer to it, but we're talking about a fighter who looked really good on Dana White Contender Series for a round and some, fell apart, hasn't fought since then. That comes off to me if I never knew anything else about her, like someone who had a bad loss, didn't handle it well, decided career change, I'm going to do something else. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe she's been like training like Rocky up in the side, you know, the wilderness or Siberia somewhere, like working her ass off to become the best fighter possible. She's still plenty young, right? So there's, there's ways to look at it as positive and negative, <clears throat> but back to that fight, things were going well. Then the flip, the, the script gets flipped. Now you're looking at this fighter, Victoria Leonardo in the UFC, who has a loss to Manon Firat, where she got finished in round two, a loss to Melissa Gatto got finished also in round two. Got her arm broken, actually. That was, a, that was a fight where you saw how tough this girl is, Leonardo. But now with the win against Mandy Boehm, and Mandy Boehm, it's Mandy Boehm. And uh, she does have a win over Liz Tracy, though. And Chelsea Hackett, yeah, of course, because they fought back then. Anyway, here's the point. Uh, that, that fight was, uh, I think, a tough fight for her. Obviously set her back a little bit. I wonder where she's at now. You know, has she made the improvements? Has she lined herself up with a good gym? A lot of questions that I just don't have the answers to. She is a good striker, though. I like how she puts her kicks in combination. She's sharp. Her striking to me is above average. On the feet, she has the advantage. She'll have the advantage throughout the entire fight. If she can maintain some kind of stand-up fighting for a good portion of two of the three rounds, and I'm thinking the last round especially, at some point, what happens with Yanez, she gets tired, and it's harder for her to get takedowns. So you imagine later in the fight, if... Chelsea's managing her cardio and she's being mature and she's got in the gas tank to, you know, pepper some jabs and stuff for the second half of round two into round three, maybe get some blood going on the face of Yanez, who's slow and plodding and doesn't have fast hands, who will be too weak and too tired to get the takedowns. She could win the second half of the fight. That's still going to make it close to the scorecards. I don't know what happens in the first round. I could very well see Yanez taking her down in the first round, especially when you look back at that fight from 2022, her last fight. For Chelsea, she got just scraped down. It, it was not, she was not defending it well. <laughs> she looked very much out of her element. So Chelsea has good kicks, very powerful kicks. Hopefully she can use those to, to keep distance. Problem is you throw a kick, it gets caught, you know, you know what I mean? So you can bet that Yanez is going to come in early, test the 
grappling defense, the takedown defense of Chelsea. I imagine she gets a takedown. At that point, Chelsea needs to get up, and she needs to get up quickly. That's going to be the, 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 you know, the, the game of cat and mouse for the early part of the fight. And this, this matchup comes down to just two, two things. Does Yanez employ her strategy and make it a grappling bout and get on the ground? If she does, she wins. And does Chelsea come in here with three years off, being revived, being able to employ her game plan? So it's going to come down to game plans. They're both good, but who can actually employ the game plan? We are reluctantly choosing Chelsea to win by decision. Now, the reasons why are we think Chelsea has the better striking. Um, she's very young. We're hoping to see some improvements. We're being optimistic. And in terms of Giannis, her striking, eh, not so much. Giannis is going to have her moments. We imagine she gets a takedown or two. She makes things ugly for a little bit. But can she have enough moments to win the favor of the judges? You know, that grappling style hold you. Sometimes don't do a lot with it. Not being scored great. Now, when she is in top control and in a situation where she's, you know, comfortable, she'll rain down some ground and pound. She will get busy. Most of the time, she is busy. I'm just saying, you know, I'm going to go lean towards a striker, the person who's going to land a nice combination with leg kick at the end of it or body kick, which what Chelsea could do. Whereas Giannis, you know, you're really looking hard for what she's doing well unless she's creating some physical damage or you see some blood or getting a submission. You're kind of having to squint a little bit more to figure out what she's doing well. You know what I mean? So if Chelsea can make a kickboxing match, she could win. If Giannis does her thing and wrestles, she wins. The spots we like for betting purposes, and actually before I even get to that, we will not be betting very much at all in this fight. It's not because it's PFL. It's strictly the question marks on like Chelsea being out for three years. We, we just don't know enough. It would be very irresponsible to for us to bet more than something small like putting it into a parlay where we're exposing ourselves to like maybe 25 bucks, something just very small. This is like, I'm not putting a unit on this. Hell no. Um, I'm going to watch it, pay a little attention. I do like women's MMA, but otherwise here's our thinking here. The spots we like for this fight are the fight going over a round and a half. That could be a parlay piece for us. That's how we might parlay this fight and the fight going the distance. I'm going to guesstimate the over round and a half is going to be super duper chalky. And if it is exceeding like minus 400 price point, then we won't touch it. But if it's around like minus 350, we'll throw it into a parlay. I do think this fight definitely goes over round and a half. They're, they're women, they're smaller weight. So kind of just makes sense. As for going the distance, I guess that happening too. I'm curious to see what that line looks like. So that's your breakdown for this fight. We're going with Chelsea Hackett coming off of a long layoff. The young fighter getting back in the win column with a decision win over Desiree Giannis. All right, guys, let's Okay, let's wrap up PFL number five. Who do we like to win? We like Shannon Young, Helen Peralta, Caitlin Neal, and Chelsea Hackett. Before we get out of this video, before you leave us, please do me a favor, like and subscribe this video. That's how you can support our content. And as we told you before, subscribe to our Substack newsletter. It's entirely free. It's a treasure trove of information for you guys. Tip sheets, links to our fight breakdowns, full card breakdowns in a written format, odds. Uh, the tip sheets are awesome. You get emailed right to you every week for all UFC events, Bellator events, PFL and Invicta. No spam of any kind. Totally 100% for free. If you look down below here in this video, you'll see there's a link there for our Substack newsletter. Please do that. Subscribe to that. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. Like and subscribe to this video and this channel. That's how you support our content. You don't have to pay anything to us or send us any money, though we appreciate donations whenever they arrive. But that's the ways you can support our channel and support what we're doing here at MMA Fight Club. Thank you for your time. Have a wonderful morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you're at listening to this. 
podcast or video. We wish you the best of luck on PFL Challenger Series number five.